0: is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The Street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This
1: is written over 100 years ago. Hey, everybody. Steve, the Rogue Scholar. How are you doing today? Um, you know, I I woke up this morning
0: to uh, my normal routine of farting, burping, and uh, checking out Twitter and all the other things that the morning comes with, coffee, you
1: name it, and I stumbled onto something that I, had, I just felt like I couldn't let go. And it's, um,
0: Dr. Hale, if you watch this, this is not a punch, this is just me kind of showing the difference of how i think sometimes people skip over the mmt stuff because they think that they think that we're not really with it they don't think that we really understand the pain and suffering they don't really think you know that we understand the uh, the way it is and i'm going to share this tweet thread with you and it's it's very minimal but it's going to set the stage for this conversation and um Let me know what you think, okay? So bring this thing up here. And uh, first things first, let me just state the obvious or maybe not the obvious. Um, You know, there's people out there who still have a lot of faith in the system, who still think that we can just sort of vote our way there. And, you know, Dr. Hale is out there in Australia, so not just down under, but a world away. But he said, collectively, Americans are, are loopy. How else do you explain a rich country where health care isn't available to all? Mass shootings again and again and nothing to be done. Extreme inequality and opportunity of outcome. And silly debt ceiling. Loopy, the only word for it. My response, it's far worse than loopy. It's malevolent. It requires militancy, not complacency. But alas, reformists tell activists to mind their manners here far too often and people die. Time to get angry, but loopy? That is simply not an appropriate description of the evil taking place. Somebody came and said, agree not to quibble, and I know this isn't the point of loopy suggests, random, it's not. Leadership in other countries knows that America is not a collective of citizens. From the standpoint of decision-making, we're a collection of corporations competing for resources. And I said, it's incredibly difficult to get people to see that the masquerade of democracy is an absolute illusion. We are prisoners and have no agency. Sadly, we are investigated when we explain these truths. We are like an abused child begging for intervention and people think we're lying. And then I took a quote. Somebody sent this to me in the middle of the night for a totally unrelated thing, but I think it's quite important. And that was, so you think it will never happen to you, that it can't happen to you, that you're the only person in the world to whom none of these things will ever happen. And then, one by one, they all begin to happen to you in the same way they happen to everyone else. It's author Paul Auster. And so as I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, they're trying to get concepts to people and trying to
1: help us understand the world that we're in. People just can't get it. They can't open their heart and their
0: mind to the fact that we're prisoners. They can't open their heart and their mind to the fact that we are not living in a democracy where you can just simply vote your way out of these things. I mean, If there were any justice in the world, my last stream on Monday, where I talked about the debt ceiling and I went through all the machinations
1: of the debt ceiling,
0: that should be a no brainer. Everybody should
1: understand that. They literally should understand that. Okay. But I'm going to take you through this article that, um,
0: Robert Hockett wrote in Forbes magazine. Give me a second so I can pull this up and we're going to walk through this. I want you to understand
1: how important it is that we recognize we're not crazy. We are not crazy. We are absolutely
0: 100% living in dystopian times. We're living in times that exceed our brain's capacity to accept And so something is always feeling off. Something is always feeling wrong. Bob Bob does a great job here with this article that I'm about to share with you. And uh, hopefully you guys will be able to pick up on this. It's not only a history lesson, um, but it's also, quite frankly, it helps you understand how ludicrous so much of what we're dealing with is. So let me go ahead and just walk us through this and uh, he calls it six legal reasons the federal budget is its own debt ceiling and floor this is in uh forbes magazine it just came out on the 11th today is the 17th obviously that's a few minutes ago but i think this is worth hearing so we're going to go down here he says writing in outrage for over a decade about the illegality of the putative debt ceiling, as I, along with several distinguished colleagues, have been doing. I am not a little relieved to see some of our long-standing arguments gaining traction. I'm a little bit troubled, however, by how attention has centered almost solely upon the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. The 14th Amendment is, to be sure, one of the grounds upon which the debt ceiling must be declared null and void. For reasons even beyond those we're hearing right now, as I'll indicate, but there are at least five additional such grounds. It might then be helpful to elaborate on them, along with their mutual complementaries, in summary fashion. Let's start with the constitutional and legislative backdrop. Article one and Article two of the Constitution vest both Congress and the President with budgetary roles. All spending and revenue raising must be legislated and valid legislation must be passed by both chambers of Congress and signed into law by the president. Final budgets, such as they are, are accordingly joint congressional and presidential products, save in rare circumstances as those in which Congress overrides a presidential veto with a supermajority vote. The constitutional provisions that I have just channeled are broadly worded and prescribe very little as the details of the federal budgeting process. These are determined instead by more legislation in 1921 through the Budget and Accounting Act, Congress vested primary budget formulation responsibility with the president, establishing both detailed timetables and the predecessor of today's Office of Management and Budget, OMB, to help shepherd the process along. The debt ceiling is rooted in this era, during which Congress relinquished its previous role as legislator of every distinct federal bond issuance. Think about that. Congress used to have to literally litigate every single bond issuance. This Congress did to afford the President, by their own law, our primary budget formulator, more flexibility in determining revenue sources for funding the growing variety of legislated programs. That's right. The original ceiling was about affording the President more discretion, not less. It is no accident that the Liberty Bond Act of 1917, original source of the ceiling, the, excuse me, the 1913 vintage 16th Amendment to the Constitution authorizing the federal income tax and thereby enabled Revenue Act of 1913, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, and the aforementioned Budget and Accounting Act of 1921 all came in rapid succession. In effect, these enactments, all passed by Congress and signed into law by the President, constituted one coherent federal budget regime. All this changed, however, in 1974. The crisis that occasioned the change was brought on, like so many others of the era, by President Richard Nixon. Nixon had an unfortunate tendency to think himself more imperial than the Constitution allowed and took it upon himself to decide with unprecedented frequency what congressionally legislated and funded programs, even though he had signed them into law in the first place, were worthy of actual execution and funding. In other words, he was just saying, I ain't going to fucking do it. I ain't going to fucking pay the bill. I ain't going to do the the, uh, law as it's written. The practice in which he manifested this proclivity was known as impoundment. The idea was that instead of spending what Congress had instructed him to spend and what he had agreed by signing the legislation to spend, Nixon was routinely spending only what he wished to spend while impounding the rest, in effect, holding it hostage. Congress put an end to the chicanery by passing the Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act of 1974, pursuant to which both Congress and the president go through detailed procedural steps. In formulating their own budgets, which budgets are reconciled and collated before being legislated into law piecemeal through sundry program authorization and appropriation acts passed by Congress and signed by the President, Supreme Court closed all plausible loopholes in the Act in Train versus City of New York one year later. This also is the origin of the Congressional Budget Office, which, to be fair, could be blown up just like the debt ceiling should be. This is also the origin of the Congressional Budget Office, designed as a counterpart to the president's OMB. In effect, then what we have for at least the past 50 years is an altogether new budget regime superseding the regime put in place 50 years before them. The earlier regime, in other words, including its debt ceiling component, were implicitly repealed repealed by the later regime. You can see this by noting the logic, or shall we say the arithmetic. The post-1974 regime, pursuant to that regime, the duly legislated federal budget first determines both revenue and spending then assigns the president and his treasury department the task of filling any gaps between the former and the latter through debt issuance. And since the president is prohibited under this regime from not spending what the budget mandates he spends, the regime effectively mandates that he borrow any time mandated spending exceeds mandated revenue. We are now situated to see why the 1917 debt ceiling as presently wielded like an ar-15 by a rump faction of the house republican caucus is actually no more than a leaky water pistol for there is literally no way for the president to comply with the putative ceiling as thus applied that does not entail his violating the federal budget itself as formulated pursuant to the 1974 regime that superseded the early 20th century regime. Here are the six reasons why. This is interesting, folks. Very explicit, very specific things. I will put this article into the chat if somebody already hasn't done In fact, let
1: me just do that right now so that I can make sure it's in there. Um, here it goes. All right. So reason number one, the take care clause. Article 2,
0: Section 3 of our Constitution requires the president take care that the laws be faithfully executed. President Nixon effectively violated this provision by not spending his Congress through that law, which is the federal budget mandated that he spend. President Biden, would be doing the same were he not to spend as the last federal budget requires that he spend, and were he not to borrow in so doing as the budget arithmetic- arithmetically mandates that he borrow. Reason number two: the presentment clause, A.K.A. line-item veto prohibition, Article One, Section Seven of our Constitution requires that bills passed by both chambers of Congress be presented as holes to the president, which the latter then signs into law or vetoes. In Clinton versus the city of New York, 1998, our Supreme Court held that the line item veto act in 1996 violated this clause by purporting to permit the president to cherry pick which budget items he would become law and which ones would be left on the cutting room floor. Were President Biden to prioritize payments mandated by the current federal budget, as the aforementioned rump faction of the House Republican Caucus suggests, he would be doing precisely what the court held that President Clinton couldn't do and that Congress could not authorize. Reason number three, the 14th Amendment. Article, uh, I. God, folks, forgive me for this. My Roman numerals are shit. Um, what is it? Article 14, section four of our constitution provides that the validity of the public debt. Uh, yeah, I guess it would be the 14th, um, the public debt of the United States authorized by law shall not be questioned. The framers intention in enacting this constitutional provision is particularly of interest right now. The self-styled Confederate States of America controlled by slave owners had pulled their members from Congress and endeavored to destroy our federal union from without by launching military attacks upon Fort Sumter and other federal installations in 1861. President Lincoln and Congress incurred unprecedented federal debt, multiplying it 80-fold from a bit over $64 million to $5.2 billion in the form of Treasury securities sold to millions of patriotic Americans in financing the successful effort to end that rebellion. As the nation began healing, by the way, folks, we also know that the idea of selling bonds, that bonds are not a funding operation, thats still very much true, okay? As the nation began healing at the Civil War's end, concerns grew that, that Southern legislators readmitted to Congress would continue their effort to destroy our federal union, save now from within, by repudiating the war-occasioned federal debt that American statespersons since Alexander Hamilton had recognized as the essential financial binding agent holding our union together. Indeed, Southern legislators were quite open about their intentions on this score, which is precisely what occasioned the requirement That Southern states ratify the 14th Amendment as a condition of rejoining the Union rather than remaining militarily occupied, conquered territories. Pretty important stuff here, folks. The applicability of the 14th Amendment to the present debt ceiling insanity grows quite clear when we recall this history. It is a striking fact that the aforementioned rump faction of the House Republican caucus nearly all hail from former Confederate or Confederate border states, and that many of them have called for a national divorce while routinely speaking like meeting with or endorsing white supremacists. It is equally striking that most of these Jim Crow Republicans have been transparent about their aims in most current controversies to sow chaos and thereby paved the way for Weimar-style anti-constitutional putsch by their criminal ringleader and serial bankrupt in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, who has himself now explicitly called for default on the national debt. Reason number four, the later-in-time rule. It is a well-established judicial canon of statutory construction that when an old law appears to conflict with a newer law or treaty the older law must either be interpreted in a manner that does not conflict with the newer law or be treated as having been implicitly repealed by the newer law there are two ways in which this canon is applicable to our present debt ceiling imbroglio first the 1974 budget regime clearly displaces the earlier regime, including its debt ceiling. This is made dramatically clear in the 1974 regimes requiring both that the president execute the budget in full, no impoundments and that she, he issue debt in so doing to fill any gap between spending and revenue. And second, Any current budget enacted later in that time than the last debt ceiling hike, of course, supersedes the latter. Pretty interesting, right? So it is in this reason that I've often written that the budget is its own debt ceiling. Indeed, in light of the anti-impoundment content of the 1974 Act, it is clear that the budget is both its own floor and its own ceiling. It is self-contained. It is the be-all and end-all of federal budgeting. It is the entirety of the law governing spending, taxing, and borrowing, with no role left to be played by the old 1917 Liberty Bond Act ceiling. Reason number five, the absurd result canon. It is also well-established canon of statutory construction that when a legal, when a legal provision either as written or as it would be applied, can be construed in more than one way, and one such way would yield a result so absurd that the legislature cannot plausibly be taken to have intended it. The interpretation yielding that result must be considered mistaken. In the present context, it is clear that the interpretation of the debt ceiling proffered by the aforementioned rump faction of the Republican House Caucus would yield multiple absurdities of relevant sort. It would require the president to violate contract obligations, which U.S. borrowings sh- most assuredly are. The last legislated federal budget of 2022, the 1974 Congressional Budget and Impoundment and Control Act, and one or more of the three constitutional provisions assayed above. And that is to say nothing of the cataclysm that default on our national debt, which we've never reneged on before, would bring to the U.S. dollar, the U.S. debt servicing costs, to to the U.S. banking and financial sectors, to the nation's pension and mutual fund holders, to the nation's inflation rate and its broader economy, and indeed to the world's capital markets and trading economy. It is simply impossible to imagine the framers of the Liberty Bond Act of 1917 who were seeking to facilitate the finance of the First World War effort, or indeed any member of Congress prior to the aforementioned rump faction of the House Republican Caucus, ever having intended even one of these outcomes, let alone all of them. Reason six, the constitutional avoidance doctrine. Finally, it is also a well established canon of statutory construction when a legal provision, either as written or as it would be applied, can be construed in more than one way, and one such way would raise a constitutional issue. The interpretation yielding that result should, if possible, be considered mistaken. See, this is tightly woven together, folks. The applicability of this doctrine to the present imbroglio is, like those of previous legal doctrines, quite clear as well. The debt ceiling as interpreted by today's Jim Crow Republicans would squarely conflict with the 14th Amendment as noted above. Either the interpretation then or the ceiling itself must be deemed without legal force. I hope that the point is now made neither the president nor the treasury secretary, nor any responsible member of Congress need worry that there would be anything legally questionable about either or both of Congress and the president simply disregarding the debt ceiling and continuing to make good on the nation's legal obligations. As always, no court would find other ways. There simply is no uncertainty here. Indeed, the law quite clearly quite certainly and quite squarely requires one thing. It requires that Congress and the president alike recognize that the old 1917 relic known as the debt ceiling as presently applied is null and void and has been both, uh, has been so both since its inception and especially since Congress smacked down the would be Imperial president Richard Nixon a half century ago. All right, so let's get to where Grumbine starts talking now. I think it's very important, very important to understand. Joe Biden is being advised by legal eagles. He's being advised by consultants, being advised by people that know these things. Joe Biden has raised the idea of the mint the coin, which Ron Gray and others, uh, in particular within the MMT movement, have advanced as a way to put an end to this silly charade as you can see by bob hockett's eloquent legal breakdown it's quite clear that the whole entirety of the debt ceiling is bullshit it's performative it means nothing but that brings to question something very important why is joe biden negotiating anything why is he sitting down with McCarthy and negotiating any cuts to spending, any whatsoever? Okay, and that should be the real question that makes you say, am I fucking crazy? If everything is there to tell him, he doesn't even have to deal with these sons of bitches. Not that the Biden budget is doing anything
1: favors for you and I. It's not even about Biden. But in the end, it kind of is about Biden because he's not willing to
0: use the law as it's written. He's not willing to do the things he needs to do to call attention to these things. Why? Because Biden, in the end, wants to maintain the debt ceiling, just like when he went to do the student debt relief, he wanted to maintain student debt in you know basically in debtors' prisons. Why? Because he was doing performative non-impacting incrementalism okay and ultimately it's a show it's simply a show so if you know and i believe beyond the shadow of a doubt i believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that the legal case that the debt ceiling is a non-factor was clearly articulated in forbes magazine by cornell
1: law professor robert hockett Hockett's a pretty smart guy, but I assure you there are many other
0: constitutional scholars out there that know everything that Hockett put out there. In fact, I guarantee you that most of the MMT community knows everything that Hockett put out there as well. It's not some secret that Biden hasn't probably heard in closed quarters. So the real issue is why does he maintain the illusion? Why does he continue to allow austerity to be part of this game? Now, to his credit, if you want to call it credit, he did push back on McCarthy and the gang's request for stricter work requirements, okay? Stricter work requirements
1: for basic welfare. He did push back, kind of shocked, didn't expect it. Figured he'd fold like a cheap tent. But the reality is, is that he's still giving it gravitas. He's still treating it like it's a thing. And it doesn't make sense, unless you come to your senses, accept that you're not crazy,
0: and know that Joe Biden is not the most progressive president since FDR. Know that Joe Biden has never not been a deficit hawk. Know that Joe Biden has never not been a conservative. Know that Joe Biden has never not been one in the same with Republicans. Joe Biden has always stood for everything
1: that is evil. He has always been on the wrong side of things. And he continues even now. No, the debt ceiling is not the treasury secretary or Joe Biden's doing,
0: but undoing it because it's bullshit is, it's his responsibility to faithfully execute the laws and the books. So there's no excuse, in my opinion, because if I can read that in Forbes and I'm just a dude, I'm just a jag, just another guy, and I can tell you point blank, I knew the 14th amendment stood. I knew the statutory rules
1: about minting the coin. I did not know all those other legal precedents, all the, all the, that full chain of command that Hockett presented. I didn't know that. Basically, because those laws were superseded by newer laws, newer regimes, as Hockett calls them, the 1917 bill no longer has standing. That that makes me fucking nuts. That makes me crazy because When you talk to normie Democrats, you know already Democrats do no wrong. They're always going to point out to you the
0: rump Republican caucus. They're always going to point to the Republicans.
1: Well, guess what? If Biden straight up did his fucking job and used the law that he's expected to uphold, this man is expected to uphold these laws.
0: And the laws are right there in a Forbes fucking article broken down for him in spades that I most assuredly guarantee for repeating it the next time. And I'll repeat it again. He has been advised of these things. He is not living in a bad. He knows these things. Just like he knew that he could stack the court. There was no law in the books that said he couldn't stack the Supreme Court and ensure that they codified Roe v. Wade. He didn't do that. He wouldn't do a Medicare for all bill. He wouldn't get rid of all student debt. He wouldn't give you your full
1: $2,000 checks during the pandemic. Joe Biden ain't your guy. Okay? But most of you that watch this channel already know that. Most of you already know that. But alas,
0: when I go back to Dr. Hale's, see if I still have it. Do I have it up still?
1: Do I still have it? No, I put it away. It's okay. When I go back to Dr. Hale's initial tweet that I replied to, there are so many folks, good people,
0: but they really genuinely believe that we can just vote our way there, that it's just loopy, that we're just loopy. It's just loopy reality is we have no agency we have no electoral path forward and this is hard for people i hear people in their 60s and 70s who clearly do not want to be forced with their walkers out into the street trying to talk to me about how oh it's hard and you
1: just got to understand and we got no no i'm sorry Unless we do something radical, this stays the way it is, and it stays the way it is forever.
0: If every fucking time another person... I want you to think about how fucking crazy people are. Crystal Ball has RFK Jr. on there. They have Marianne Williamson on there. The Democrats have already stated point blank we're not going to do primary debates. They've already stated in court that the primaries mean nothing and that they'll select
1: who the hell they want regardless of what the voters want, okay? So all this stuff is a bunch of bullshit. It's just a bunch of bullshit. Our lives are impacted by it. And now you can sit there, wash, rinse, repeat, through every election cycle and claim that we're just going to go ahead
0: and, you know, source the vote. We just got to get more votes. We just got to get more progressives. Just Yeah, just go out and phone bank, uh, phone bank, do it. Go door knock. Hi, I'm with such and such bullshit candidate saying bullshit things,
1: doing nothing. And you think you're going to solve this problem? I'm telling you. You have got a lot of roadway to look to see the fact that you haven't gotten
0: shit with your vote. Years and years and years of proof. You don't require a jag like me sitting in front of a camera telling you that your vote hasn't done shit. You don't need me to do that because the fact is
1: everybody was shamed and rushed to get rid of T-Rump. And Trump was a piece of shit, let me just be honest
0: with you. But in the end, you thought that this was some big thing that you were going to get. You got nothing
1: and you liked it. You got absolutely nothing and you liked it. I. I every time I, I hear people propping up Kennedy and Marianne Williamson, I get it, man. I want to sit there. I would love to live in a country where the elections mean something
0: that actually phone banking, donating, door knocking and stuff like that
1: matters. That would be great, man. I would love to have my cherry unpopped, my
0: hymen put back in place and go back to the old way in the matrix, eating steak that ain't real so that we could have a real, honest-to-God government for and by the people, of the people, of the proletariat, a dictatorship
1: of the proletariat. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. But i got to tell you, I don't want to take Wellbutrin.
0: I don't want to take fucking Prozac. I don't want to take Depakote and all the other fucking mood stabilizers just to fucking live in this country. And. Eat the bullshit that they keep feeding us. We're not crazy, but they're trying to make us crazy with the gaslighting, with the lies. And you can always see the people that haven't quite let go of the lie yet, and they go out there and they're going to phone bank for RFK Jr. and they're going to say, "What do you mean you just want bite?
1: You don't fucking
0: care. It's not happening. They don't have any responsibility whatsoever."
1: zero responsibility whatsoever to have a primary do you understand like this is not me making it up do your fucking homework do the homework okay do the homework make sure that you understand the primaries have there's nothing in them if the dnc
0: and the gang want to make sure that Joe Biden is president or Joe Biden is the nominee, at least, there's nothing you could do. You could literally vote
1: in the primary and give the election to RFK 100 to one or 100% of the vote could go
0: to him and they could say, yeah, you know what? Legally, we ain't gotta abide by it, we're not going to. Why would they fight in court otherwise? Now, mind you, they'd like it to look good. They would definitely like it to look plausible. They don't want
1: any kind of primary to look too out of joint because then you won't eat the food, okay? But as of right now, they're not going to allow a primary challenger to get on a debate stage with Joe
0: Joe, 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 Joe Biden. Mm, your, Your hair
1: smells delicious, Joe Biden. They're not going to let this happen. It's funny. They have superdelegates. But they don't even need the super. Do you
0: understand? They don't even need. They could cancel the primaries altogether and say, Joe's our guy.
1: Doesn't matter. Fuck you if you don't like it. They could literally do that. There's literally nothing you could do
0: to stop it because they fought successfully in federal court that they are a private corporation that has their own rules and regs to operate and they could do whatever they want. They can violate their own rules if they want. They could do anything they want. It's not a
1: joke. It doesn't matter if RFK can moonwalk on water and turn water into wine or turn
0: dandelions into freaking big old cush buds. It doesn't matter. He could turn sugar into cane. It doesn't matter. He can't get
1: the nomination because the party doesn't allow for it. And here you go. Joe Biden literally lying. Negotiating
0: with Republicans when you know damn well that the very premise of the debt ceiling is a lie. It's wrong. It doesn't exist anymore. It's been superseded by law.
1: And yet there he is, bent knee, talking to McCarthy, negotiating. Why would he negotiate for more austerity? Why would he act like, oh, no, a gun's to my head. I've got to negotiate with them. He doesn't. The only people that get hurt are you and I. In the end, it's we. We get hurt. If you don't think Janet
0: Yellen knows all those legal precedents as well, you're equally crazy. I assure you, Janet Yellen has been briefed, not briefed, it was probably longed, not briefed, it was longed. I guarantee you she got every grueling detail. And they sat down with some strategy
1: groups and thought it through. Let's come up with a plan. Let's come up with a message. What are we going to do? How's this going to work? So as far as I'm concerned, we may not be able to change the world here. I want to. God knows I'd love
0: to create a a movement of people that want to self-govern, work together, collaborate, and have a real meaningful movement of people that are ready to take action. may never happen. Probably won't. Not because I don't want to, but it probably won't because
1: everybody's got something more important to do, unfortunately. Trust me. I know, I live it daily. But at least maybe we can keep
0: each other sane, cutting through the lies. At least maybe we can keep each other sane so when we watch things that just don't add up, we don't sit there and scratch our heads and go, what the fuck? We can literally understand the system. And we can, unfortunately, fortunately, be the few ones that are aware that we're being lied to really understand why we're being lied to. Maybe we can teach a few people and hopefully grow this thing and get people ready to fight back. I'm tired of watching people outnumber me in the millions. Come on, let's go phone back for RFK.
1: Revolutionary's fist in the air. Gonna go for RFK. Re- revolutionary. Yeah. Never. Dem exit. RFK. Dem exit. RFK. Right? The same. RFK. And there's Marianne Williamson. You know, she said a few good things about FDR and stuff like that. But, folks, FDR
0: saved capitalism. FDR did a number of things. He's a complex individual. Marianne Williamson doesn't understand money. And she's got some really, really shitty views on Palestine. She's got some shitty views on Ukraine. She's got some shitty few views on global uh, geopolitics. She's got some shitty views in the end. And unfortunately, probably the worst part of this, probably the worst part
1: of this, in the end, my guess is she doesn't care. Yeah. In the end, she doesn't care. Because
0: in the end, she's going to end up saying, support my good friend Joe Biden, because we've got to defeat the Republican monster. And I get it. The Republican monster's ugly. And the Republicans always come out with the most crazy shit. But what happens when society is falling apart at the seams? When people are getting mass propaganda pumped down their throats 24 by 7, both externally and internally within the alt movement, okay? What happens? Eventually, you start finding scapegoats I showed you Tim Canova sitting there retweeting stuff, talking about black people are violent. I almost threw up. That's not the Tim Canova I know. But scapegoats come from this stuff. I watch all the anti-trans
1: propaganda out there. Crazy. Just, wow, what happened to the left? Where'd you go? All of these debates, all these discussions, all this stuff, It makes
0: people mean. It turns them angry. It turns them either productively angry or it turns them into folks that are ready to find scapegoats. And I don't want to breed children into this world in a fascist place like what the United States already was and is getting worse. I don't want to sit there and try to explain to every friend I have why I'm not going to go phone bank for Marianne Williamson And why I'm not going to phone bank for RFK Jr. And why I'm not going to phone bank for Joe Biden. Okay? I'm not going to phone bank for any of these people. I'm not a Republican. Won't be voting Republican. This charade, we have to be the one that pulls the mask off and shows what's going on. There's not nearly enough of us. There's nowhere near enough of us. because. Half the world is fucking lunatic fringe for real. They watched Alex Jones and thought it was news. Those people, wow. Maybe they really are crazy. But there's a group of people out there that really have taken the time to dig through this stuff and not just say clickbait shit. I'd like to believe we're one of those people, one of those groups that does real research and really genuinely tries to inform people that follow us. So, I'm hoping that we're able to make a difference. But in the end, just remember you're not crazy. And it's not crazy to resist drinking the fucking Kool Aid. It's not crazy to do real homework. It's not crazy to go find legitimate
1: sources for information. It's not crazy to resist being drawn into this bullshit. We get pulled into so many fake pitched battles,
0: and we think they're life and death battles, and we fight each other mercilessly for no reason at all because it's based on lies, like the debt ceiling, like the national debt, like reducing the deficit and all the other bullshit, like printing money creates inflation,
1: all these lies, and they're lies, they're meant to discipline us, okay? Now, I talked to some good friends that were Marxists and they asked me
0: questions. Some of them were the kind of questions I didn't expect to get from them. But they were questions that nonetheless showed just how far propaganda had gotten. They thought that things like MMT pertained only to the US. I broke down the international view. I broke down the entire
1: system. They're like, oh, wow. Maybe you're right. we got to wake people up one person at a time. It's small. It's slow. We may not be successful, but there's
0: no other way through this. They've got all of the media outlets primed and ready to go. I mean, Crystal and Kyle, those folks, they're sitting there putting out mainstream stuff, man. They're not say, setting anybody ablaze by being real game changers anymore if they ever were all these big platforms are just suckling right into the standard narratives. The main platforms, the big media outlets push out there, they're all filling your head with bullshit. And how do you avoid becoming a nutter and not saying cuckoo conspiracy things while simultaneously accepting the fact? And, and really it's important to accept the fact. That you're not getting the straight dope. That what you're getting is a bunch of bullshit meant to misinform you and meant to make you act in a certain way, meant to destroy your ability to discern truth from fiction. And then they bring you to the warfield, the battlefield, and expect you to do the work, expect you to pick a side, expect you to jump in the fray. Do you know something? Most of you have no idea anything about the history of Ukraine, even the people that are informed. Most of you have no idea of the history of Russia, even those of you who think you're informed. Most of you have no idea of the history of the United States, even those of you who think you're informed. Most of the information we have available to us is highly tainted, propagandized bullshit. And for those folks that try desperately to keep us out of the lies and tell the truth, they've got to piecemeal a lot of that shit together. And there's a lot of conjecture that they have to go through. In the end, we probably will never know all the truth that
1: we need to know. And That's hard to believe. It's hard to manage, hard to process, but it doesn't make you crazy. I mean, it may make you crazy, but you're not crazy for realizing that you're not crazy. So anyway, with that,
0: last night we had Clara Matei join us in our book club. It was the last of it. Folks, I got to tell you, we do some good book clubs. We do some good work. We're trying to educate. That's the goal. We're trying to educate because you have a revolution with a bunch of people that are still colonized in their brains and they're going to reproduce bullshit we want to start a new society someday and it probably won't happen in our lifetime. But assuming that that's the goal, you've got to fill your brain with different information. You've got to start building an analytical framework for how to understand the world. And you've got to be able to have a good bullshit detector. It's a lot to ask of people who are slaving the grind Monday through Friday, nine to five, having kids yanking on them for homework yet kids yanking them for bill collectors, calling medical problems, coming
1: fucking climate crisis. What you're stuck. We're stuck. This is our path forward
0: folks. I hope these book clubs help. Claire Matei was fantastic. She's not an MM tier yet, but we're working on it because folks, this is all we've got. We got to meet people where they are and bring them into the fold and help them so that they can help us. Because we are, our Venn diagram, if this is the universal set, is like a piece of dental floss in there. It's not even a big circle, it's a teeny slice. That's how few of us there are. And that means we don't have a lot of power. Most people don't ask us to join their broadcasts. The few that do, Jordan, Jen, Uh, political misfits others it's just small compared to what others do i mean there's people out there that don't really know much of any of the stuff that we talked about today that will get a first call to be on rising get a first call to be on breaking points get a first call
1: to be on uh, some other show but people talking truth and speaking this stuff my phone's not ringing i don't know can only assume they don't want you to know the stuff we're saying either. They certainly don't know that we don't know. They certainly don't know anything about us. You know, it doesn't make sense to me why we're like treated like bastard stepchildren, but we are. So
0: let's embrace it and let's build this movement together, folks, because we're the out kids. Let's make our issue the important one. Let's build some gravity here. Let's build some energy here. And with that, thank you, everyone who has donated, contributed, et cetera. Thank you, Double K. Thank you, Janet Schultz. Thank you, everybody. Sky, the whole team, everybody that shows up. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of this particular um, network. And Double K, Double1999s for Double Up. Double your flavor, double your fun. Was that double mint, gum, whatever? The twins. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, without further ado, I bid you adieu and I am out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at
1: realprogressives.org.